Good morning. All right, you can hold that. Can you say good morning? Good morning. Good morning. Let's see if we can get this working. Is it on? Say it again. Good morning. There we go. Good morning. All right, this is my five-year-old son, Micah, and he is skipping Kingdom Club to help me out for just a minute, so this is a big deal for him. Got a couple questions for you, Micah. We just went on vacation. Where did we go? Kansas City. Kansas City, that's right. Really exciting destination these days. Uh, Dad, really... it's not working. It is oh, working. Yes, <laughs> it is. There you go. Thanks, Chris. It's not working. So we went to Kansas City, and when we were in Kansas City, who were we there with? Um, my um, family. Yeah, your family, good. So we were there with Lindsay's parents. What do you call them? I don't want to tell them. Yeah, I, I really don't want to tell them. Okay, you don't, I guess you don't have to tell them. He calls them Lolly and Pa. So we're from the South, and apparently in the South, Patrick has told me this a hundred times, only in the South do you make up names for Dad, your grandparents. I thought you were going to um, ask me your Dad, yeah, your so parents. what do you call my parents? I don't want to tell them. Okay, so. They already know some of my parents. Yeah, they, they already do know your parents. That's right. My grandma and grandpa. Yeah, they've met your grandma and grandpa before. And Lori and, Lori and Chaz. And Lori and Chaz, yep. So he calls my grandparents, or my parents, uh, Shuggy and Taters. <laughs> right? I knew they were right? going to laugh. Yeah, I did too. I did too. So, uh, all I wanted you to share was that, so, good. So, can Dad, I have... No, what about my favorite thing at school? What, what's your favorite... Okay, what's your favorite thing at school? Um, playing. Playing, good, good, good. And what was your favorite thing in Kansas City? Play laser tag. Playing laser tag, very good. Thank you, Micah. <laughs> Mommy's going to take you to Kingdom Club. I'm going to give this to you, Thomas. There you go. All right. That was exciting. Didn't answer any of the questions I wanted him to, but had very specific questions he wanted to answer. I love it. Love it. Well, I was asking him about his grandparents, about my parents, about his, uh, Lindsay's parents, because I'm going to say something that you're going to find just incredibly hard to believe. You saw how cute Micah is up here, how much he likes the spotlight. He loves being the center of attention. It would be incredibly hard to be his grandmother. I know, like he's cute. What, what would be hard about that? It's this, if grandpa, if either grandpa shows up, grandma doesn't exist at all, at all. He loves his grandpa so much that if grandma and grandpa are both there, all he wants is grandpa. And if he, if, so we FaceTime my parents and Lindsay's parents sometimes so we can communicate back and forth so that they can be involved. And the first question every time if grandma picks up the phone is, where's grandpa? <laughs> Immediately, not, hey, how are you? Not, hey, let me show you this, it's, where's grandpa? He loves his grandpa, and I got to tell you something else. It's hereditary. Always has been. My family has this long tradition of boys wanting to be with their grandpas. 
And I was definitely a part of that. One of the things I want to do this morning is I want to tell you about who I call my Papa Ted. He's a great, great man. Love him a lot. Talked to him this morning. But he taught me so much. And some of it's really significant and good, and some of it's ridiculous. But he taught me a lot. He taught me how to mow the grass when I was about 11 years old. He decided that it was my turn to learn when I was about 11 years old. And so every day during the summer, I say every day, it felt like that. It wasn't. But every two weeks, we would go mow my house, my parents' yard, my, his yard. Uh, then we would go to my great-grandmother's house and mow her yard. And then there were two plots at the cemetery that we would go and mow. And typically, we would find another couple that he just didn't like the looks of, so we would just mow those as well. <laughs> He taught me so much about mowing grass. Did you know you're supposed to mow in squares in order to keep things straight? I had no idea. Do now. Now I can't mow it straight like a lot of people do. He taught me how to pick a barber. And you look at my hair and you ask, like, really? <laughs> yeah, he did. It's a useless skill at this point, but he taught me how to pick a barber really well. He taught me how to tell stories to kids. And he did this a lot when I was younger. When I was about, or when I was born, uh, just previous to that, just a few months before that, my uncle had died. And it was a tragedy, it was awful. And so it was my dad and my uncle. They were the only two kids that they had. And so when I was born, one of the ways that my mom and dad helped my grandparents cope was by letting them have me all the time. Uh, which, <laughs> if you know me now, you, you probably wouldn't say that, but back then I was cute. So they had fun. And one of the things he would do all the time was just tell stories. That was his way of being with me. He would just tell stories all the time. Papa Ted taught me a lot. Right now we're in a series on four habits of Jesus. And we started week one by talking about Jesus' habit of praying alone. And I still believe this is kind of the foundational habit upon which all the other habits are built. But this is a habit that Jesus had where he would just go off by himself, away from people, and be alone with God. And we talked about how when he did that, the thing that happened next was usually profound. It was usually significant. Habit number two that we talked about last week was receiving hospitality, which sounds weird, and it is, but Jesus often found himself in somebody else's home often found himself in somebody else's company receiving hospitality from them. And that was just kind of the, the common theme that I kept seeing throughout reading Luke. So this week, we're going to look at a third habit. One of the questions I got this week is, why these four habits? And so this is going to be the third. So to answer those questions real quick, is when I was reading the Gospels, these are some of the habits that hit home for me. So... Answer number one, that's the most obvious, because I liked them. Because <laughs> you let me get up here and speak, I want to talk about stuff I like, so there's that. The second reason, though, is, is really important. It's because when I went through these and I found five, six, seven that I really liked, I asked myself, what does our church need to hear? And I think, like last week, I thought we're really good about giving hospitality, about opening our homes up to other people, but how often do we just allow ourselves to let go of control and go be in somebody else's home. Third reason is this. We're all about developing disciples here. 
and all of these habits tie into that. And so I, I want you to hear that. If you've got a Bible, turn over to the Gospel of Luke. We've been in the Gospel of Luke each week. It's just kind of worked out that way. Uh, but the habit that we're going to look at today uh, is Jesus teaching people. So Luke chapter 4, verse 15. Jesus began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Not only did he teach, he taught well. Luke chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. Luke chapter 13, verse 22. Jesus went through one town and village after another, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. He has an end goal in sight, but he just goes around teaching. Finally, Luke chapter 19, verses 47 and 48. Every day he was teaching in the temple, and all the people were spellbound by what they heard. Habit number three is Jesus taught people. And all of you resoundingly say, well, duh, right? <laughs> like, he's a teacher. It's what he did. When I was reading the Gospel of Luke, I noticed that over ten times, you find the phrase, Jesus was teaching, or Jesus taught these people, happens over and over again. And then there are countless stories of Jesus just walking around, telling people stuff, just teaching them over and over and over again. It's one of the most common ways about thinking about Jesus across the world. He's called Rabbi. Put him in this Jewish system. He is a rabbi. It's an honorific title, which means good teacher. Not just teacher, but good, honored teacher. He's called good teacher by a lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, I was looking at other religions and the way that they approach Jesus, and the vast majority of each religion considers Jesus a good teacher. Gandhi talked about how good Jesus' teachings were and how beautiful they were. The Baha'is, a group of, it's an interesting group, uh, wouldn't, don't want to get into it too much here, but the Baha'is call Jesus Lord and Teacher. That's their title for him. Jesus taught people. Duh, I know. When the Gospels talk about Jesus teaching, they talk about Jesus teaching people with authority. And how that catches people off guard. They're used to being taught. They're not used to being taught with authority. Jesus' way of teaching seems a little interesting to us. He would go around and he would just tell stories. And the kingdom of God is like this. Or, you've heard it said, but I say to you this. Jesus was a good teacher. So, we know this. We get it. Why does it matter for us? Sure, we should be taught by Jesus. That's not it. The crux of this for me is Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what he's about to say is is being said because he has all the authority. He says, go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's good. That's developed disciples. That's where that came from. Jesus said to do it. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus taught people and commanded us to teach people. This habit of Jesus has to become a habit of ours. So, who am I to teach? Maybe this is a question that you have. Maybe, maybe you've got some issues when you hear that, but, but maybe the question is like, look at me. Who am I to teach? I think many of us have a lot of issues with the idea that we are supposed to be teachers, right? Well, first, you've got this training comparison. If you were here this morning, you had Bruce up here teaching you about baptism and using words like soma and sarks, which have to be translated because they're Greek words. You hear that, you, you hear that Bruce has all these years, decades of ministry and training to do this, to teach. You see it. He's a good teacher. You look at Patrick, who gets up here and teaches with lots of charisma, lots of ability. With enjoy- He's enjoyable to listen to, right? Yeah. You like it. He's got skills. He's been doing this for a while, and people like him. Who am I to teach? I've got degrees. Two of them. So far, I've got degrees which say I should be able to teach. I've been in school. I've been in college for over 11 years. And it keeps going. I know you look at me like I'm crazy. I get it. But then we ask, who am I to teach? On top of that, we we worry about our knowledge. Just our knowledge. You get up here and you say, okay, so Moses built the ark and Noah had the the law given to him. And then you're like, is that Moses or is that Noah? I can't remember those two. I get them mixed up all the time. Somebody gets up here and starts reading from 1 Thessalonians, and the first thing you do is you have to flip to the front of your Bible to figure out what page that is on. I get it. We talk about atonement or propitiation or, or even the word holy. It's not a word that we use. We use these words, and we're all, ah, I don't have the knowledge to do this. Then, if you're in education, you know that there are different teaching methods that are going to work for people. Did you know that there are a handful of different learning styles? Like, some of you are really good at listening to me up here, but if I don't have a nice slide up here in a minute, I'm going to lose some of you visual people, and I know that, and a lot of you just want to get up and do something, but I'm making you sit here and listen to me. (laughs) All these different learning styles. And then there's technology. Like, what, PowerPoint? This isn't PowerPoint. Apps? Good grief. You think I'm supposed to be out there teaching? And then there's this big one of credibility. Like, do you know my sin? Do you know my brokenness? If you knew that, would you really want me to teach? Breathe. 
It's okay. Teaching others is part of the discipleship journey. It is. Each of us is commanded by Jesus to teach. So the simple question we all need to ask ourselves this week is this. Who has God given me to teach? Who has God given me to teach? I want to share with you a few stories to kind of help us wrap our minds around this a little bit. I told you about my Papa Ted earlier. I talked to him this morning about some of these things. But just like he taught me how to mow and to choose a barber and how to tell stories to Micah, he also taught me some really significant things about following Jesus. When I was 10, he taught the Fishers of Men Bible course at my home church. He taught me a lot about what it is to follow Jesus. He did that while he was training my Uncle Giles, who doesn't have a teaching bone in his body. <laughs> he was teaching him how to teach kids about this. He taught me a lot about that. When, uh, about 10 years ago, my great-grandmother was put in a nursing home, and it's his mother-in-law. And he, goes to the, he would go to the nursing home every single day to make sure she was taken care of. And in doing so, all of a sudden, he discovered this great evangelistic opportunity that all these people just needed some friends. And so he would go in there, and he would talk to them about Jesus a little bit. He ended up doing weddings and funerals in the nursing home because he was respected for his faith, for who he was. There was one time when I was in Abilene, Texas. I was living in Cisco, was in Abilene. I'd gone to McDonald's, and a guy catches me outside the building and says, hey, I'm really hungry. Could you get me something to eat? And, you know, I was 25 or something. I was like, sure. Why not? Let's go in and get something to eat. Get this guy some food, uh, sit down with him, and as I'm leaving, the people at McDonald's catch me, and they say, he does this to people every single day. And so I'm having this like, moral dilemma about, like, did, did I just enable? Did I, what happened here? How did this go? And so I call my dad, and he's at work, so he wasn't able to pick up. Next person I call is my grandpa. And his message to me has stuck with me ever since. He told me, let yourself be taken advantage of. God will sort it out. Amen. <sighs> Talked to him today, and he said he's been praying for me every day. Four years. He reads his Bible every morning. And often when we talk, he talks about what he's been reading he has taught me some really significant ways how to follow Jesus. Families teach a lot of things. And so parents, I think it's really important for all of you to know this. God has given you your children so that you will teach them how to follow him. Amen. Whether they're 10 or 4 or 54. Micah's favorite song in the world is 10,000 Reasons. It's okay. He loves it. We play that song more often than not. 
Jason, little boy that's been with us for about three months now, the thing I've been trying to instill in him is, is the song, Jesus Loves Me. Jesus loves me. He can't, can't process a whole lot, but he's able to, to hear that song and hopefully make some connections there. This week, there's an incredible opportunity to talk to your kids about the death and resurrection of Jesus. We have that. As I was preparing this and thinking about it, one of the families I was thinking about was the Edwards family. So, Edwards, hi. You know, taking in a couple of kids, adopting a couple of kids is great. But I was thinking Harrison, Margaret, Beatrice, and Gregory have this really unique opportunity to share Jesus with these kids. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Maybe for you, it's a niece or a nephew or grandkids. But there's also opportunities outside our families. When I moved here, there was a guy from Cisco that kept emailing me and calling me from time to time. And he was an older guy in the church. He had terminal cancer. Uh, But we had created this bond. And for about a year and a half, he emailed me until he passed away. And we would communicate pretty often because God had given me the opportunity to teach him. I've been involved at Union Gospel Mission for a couple of years now uh, in, in this discipleship program, and they connect me with a student in their group, a discipleship student who is learning how not to be homeless, how to be functional in society, and on top of all that, to follow Jesus. And so Chris is a guy that I've been talking with about how to follow Jesus, and God has given me that opportunity. I was thinking a couple weeks ago about the baptism we had here and the fact that Heidi had this opportunity to sit down with Jenny and get to know her and share with her the gospel because God gave Heidi this opportunity to teach. Talked to the Thurbers a bunch, (laughs) and they were telling me a story about their, their finance guy coming to their house And they're talking about finances, of all things, and all of a sudden, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) And it's just natural for them, because God gave them the accountant to teach. Talk to Dorita about this sometimes, and how she can just go to the bank, and there's an opportunity to teach somebody at the bank. If I'm at the bank, I'm going to be in and out in about five minutes, and if it takes longer than that, I've wasted my time. But that's not... That's not true for her. God gives her people to teach at the bank. I know some of you have dealt with issues around alcohol before and have been involved in AA and have worked your way through AA. And in AA, you have to recognize that there's a higher power, and all of a sudden, you've had the opportunity to name him. Say, I'll tell you about the higher power. His name is Jesus. Some of you have been involved in prison ministry. And there's this unique opportunity to to work with somebody who's in a really desperate situation and share with them their need for Jesus. This is very, very simple, and I get it. But habit number three is simply that Jesus taught people. And we're commanded to do the same. He's commissioned us to do the same. Who has God given you to teach? I hope this week you'll be a part of a disciple group. That's the big question for the week. There's a few more questions, but they all kind of sum up in that one. Who has God given you to teach? 
We need to think about that and take advantage of those opportunities as they come. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed this morning. Father God, you are good. You're at work in people's lives well before we ever are. We trust you in that. God, help us to take advantage of the opportunities you give us. Help us to take seriously the commission you've given us to go and teach people to obey all that you've commanded. God, you are good. You love us. You're going to take care of us. We pray that you give us courage and boldness and love. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys.